0: So we've been doing a series called Multiply and looking at making disciples, changing nations. And we began a few weeks ago with a message on go. And then we moved on to make, go into all the world, make disciples. We moved into, uh, we had a visiting um, missionary who spoke about how he went into the nations. And then we had Kaya share about The immersion of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, looking through God's eyes to the world, and today I'm going to look at train. Yay! So you can see little footprints there because when you train people, you're leading, and they're following, and you're following Jesus' footsteps. So our passage that we're using is from Matthew 28 verse 12 uh, verse 18 to 20 and Jesus came and he said to them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them or immersing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them or training them to observe all that i've commanded you so training training them to obey my commands, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's sometimes a little bit difficult for us. We're like, love and command. I don't think those go together. Um, we like to be free spirits. Don't tell me what to do. I'm free. I've got rights. Um, If we read something like this that doesn't seem to make sense to us, and it's the words of the Lord in the Bible, it's not us that's got the right theology. It's the Bible that's got the right theology. So if we think that love and commands don't work together, We need to change our theology. There's something about love that we haven't learned properly... ...if we think that the commands of God are not loving. And to obey those commands is not an act of love towards him. God is good. Yes? Yeah. Yeah, he's good. And when he gives commands, you think of an army... ...if you're given commands the authority above you knows why they're giving that command. It's unto something. It is not because they just spinned a wheel. Spinned? Spun. They didn't just spun a wheel. No, that didn't sound right. Um, and it landed somewhere random, and they said, oh, we'll, do, we'll, we'll give all of creation that command today. When God gives commands, it's unto something because he knows why and it's for his good, for the greater good, for our good and it's from a place of love because God is love. Some of us have been in environments where we have received commands through Christian or religious, um, through preachers, through teachers of the word and it's felt, it's been squiff, it's been a bit off. That is not God if it's out of alignment with God. Okay, so you've got to hear me. When I say that the commands are for, uh, to, to love God is to follow his commands, I'm not saying that you need to follow commands of controlling earthly people that are trying to manipulate you. You've got to ask the Lord for wisdom, but there's some things that are non-negotiable, and it's because Jesus said them, or God said them, So commands linked to love. Now, when Jesus gave commands to his disciples, most of the time that was based out of the relationship he'd already established with them, okay? So God loves relationship. God is love. Usually when he gives commands, there's a foundation of relationship that he's working off. Most of his commands are for people that have said yes to him. Okay, so that's generally us. There's a level of relationship there. Trust is growing. Maturity is growing. Our sense of responsibility is growing. And so there's somewhere for that command to land. And when we outwork it, it's an act of love back to him. We don't get to pray about which of his commands we feel like um, obeying today. Because his name is Jesus. Jesus. Christ, not Ronald McDonald. You can go to a drive-thru, you can say, oh yeah, chicken nuggets today, thank you, I'll have chicken nuggets, no sauce, I don't want any sauce, no sauce today, and we've got the freedom to do that because it's Ronald McDonald that we're talking to, yes, and then tomorrow you can say, no, no, no chicken nuggets, I'd like an Angus burger with three times the lettuce, please give me that. Large. No ice in the drink. Otherwise, you're only giving me a little bit of drink and you're filling it up with ice cubes. So, we've got the freedom in areas of our life to decide what direction to go. But there's some things that God says, and that's He expects for us as an act of love embedded in the relationship that we are growing in Him to honour these things because. He knows what's best. He's also designed us. He's designed the world. If we obey his commands, everything fits together. If we don't obey his commands, we enter into disobedience, obviously, which can lead to rebellion, which can lead to demonic infestation. (laughs) That's extreme, but it's true. Rebellion opens up the demonic and... Um, because basically you're saying no to God, so therefore you must be saying yes to something else. Okay? so Jesus actually gave quite a few commands to his disciples. There's over 40 very easy to find. You can just go to Google, what are the commands of Jesus? There's over 40 of them that are very easily stated commands of Jesus in the Gospels. Here's some of them. Repent, turn from your sin. Follow me. So this is Jesus' words. These are the commands that he's stating to us. Let your light shine before others. And the rest of that verse goes on to say, so that they can glorify God. Because they can see the good in you, therefore they'll glorify God. Be reconciled to others. It's actually a command. Be reconciled. You need to pursue reconciliation. Reconciliation. Do not lust. That's a command. Keep your word. Love your enemies. Lay up treasures in heaven. This is eternal fruit. That's that's the priority, not earthly fruit. That's not the priority. Lay up treasures in heaven. Seek God's kingdom first. These are commands of Jesus. Jesus. Then he goes on, there's some more. Do not fear. It's actually a command. Don't live by fear. Wear Jesus' yoke and burdens upon you, not your own. If someone's offending you, go and sort it out with them. Address that person. Don't go behind their back and make a big whirlwind about the situation. Go directly to them and start there. Forgive. It's a command. We don't get to say, "No, thank you, no chips with that." And can I have a little bit more sauce? It's like, no, forgive. Honor marriage. Marriage is from God. It's not a human invention. It's something that God put in place. We need to honor it. Ask with faith. For asking him for something, engage your faith. These are commands of Jesus. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not just your mind. Or not just your heart. All of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Be born again. Disciple my people. These are commands of Jesus. So if we're going to train people to obey commands, we also need to know what those commands are. And... um, we need to obey them ourselves. So how how do you obey? How do we obey commands? First of all, get into a relationship with God. So when Jesus gave commands to his disciples, it had that relationship base. If you feel a bit far away from the Lord, just start there. Just start... In, Start putting in intentionality, re-engage with the Lord, whatever that takes, focus on that, okay? Chris Ballaton once said that the biggest no he ever had to temptation was when he had a much bigger yes in a different direction. And this is what this is. You get in a relationship with God, your yes towards God grows and grows, and the temptations that come, because they do, the temptations that come have less, there's less of a desire inside of you because your yes is really big towards the Lord. Number two, we choose to obey, to engage our will because we have got free will. We can choose not to obey. Make a decision and tell yourself what you're deciding. When, When God says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind and strength, That's, your will is part of your soul. You decide. And then you shift and you start walking in that direction. But it starts with a decision. Not making a decision is a decision. Number three, repent. If the Lord puts something on your heart, repent for it. Be quick to repent to him. Be quick to repent if we don 't do that and we continue to engage in sinful uh, behavior that our heart knows is sinful because if you 're in a relationship with the Lord, Holy Spirit works with your conscience, and you you know when you 're sinning, but if you continue to override that and you continue to sin, actually start to sear your conscience you think of a piece of steak you put it onto a very hot pan and it goes pshhh. you like sear your conscience so it grows hard and crusty and it's not yummy like a steak okay it's hard and crusty and you you start to stop yourself from listening to the lord in that area it's a very dangerous place to be the way that you can pull out of that is through repentance I know that I have sinned. I actually still enjoy the sin that I'm engaged in, but I know it's sin. I see it's in your word that it's sin. Lord, I'm choosing. I will obey you. I'm choosing to repent. I need you. Step four, I need you to help me. Ask Holy Spirit to help you. I need you to help me to not like that. I need you to help me when I'm tempted to rem My decision is no, and I want to grow in love with you. Um, Ask Holy Spirit for the power and the grace to change and the desire to change. Spend time in his presence, number five. If you spend time in worship like we did this morning and you're engaging with him there, it's really hard to then be quite happy to engage in sin. This is where you, you grow your softness towards the Lord. You spend time in the word. You pray. You spend time in worship. When you're walking in nature, you, you your thankfulness. Wow, God, that's so beautiful how you made that. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. That sort of spending time in his presence, as that grows bigger, it's a lot harder to sear your conscience and... Um, say yes to things that are damaging. Number six, practice obedience. Don't just choose. I'm going to be obedient. Practice it. Maybe you, maybe you are engaged in a lot of shoplifting. You can choose. I will not shoplift. But when you're in the situation, practice not shoplifting. So you say, Holy Spirit, help me. I know that I am tempted when I walk into a store. Help me to honour you. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. And you're practising that intentionally. Prepare yourself and be intentional. Sometimes that's not enough. We need to invite others into the journey with us. We need accountability. So let people know, hey, I struggle with shoplifting. <laughs> um, I don't want to uh, continue in this. Can you keep asking me about this? Or can you walk with me into the shop for the next three times I go to whatever, Target? And can you just be my accountability? of... It? So invite someone into your journey. If, if we're too proud to do that, we feel too much shame, I mean, that's r- real feelings... But it's not helpful if you allow pride or shame to stop you from inviting people into your journey, being accountable. Um, And sometimes you need even more help. So, number eight is get extra help if needed. Sometimes it's like, wow, this shoplifting thing is really strong. (laughs) Where did that come from? Invest in prayer ministry, invest in counseling. Jesus said, um, don't look at a woman lustfully. If you do, it's actually better for you to gouge your eyes out than for you to continue in that sin. Like, that's a high cost to gouge your eyes out. Far better cost is to invest in prayer ministry. (laughs) Right? Far better cost to invest in counselling... Get professional help. Like, I personally think that would be more beneficial. You get to keep your eyes, but you lose some finance. It's still better, okay? So put, invest where... Um, it's, it's worth investing into your healing and your health. If you think, oh, my gosh, it's so much money, we'll save up and invest it anyway. Have three less... McDonald's meals in a fortnight. No, but you hear what I'm saying, right? It's it, Jesus really, really hit this. Better to cut off your arm. Better to gouge out your eyes. So if it's getting too much for you to control, too much for you to um, work with Holy Spirit, then and you've brought people in, get extra help. Finally, do not give up. Often we will stumble and fall and get discouraged. Pick yourself up. Go again. Pick yourself up. Start again. Repent. Start again. Get people into the journey with you. Be accountable. Pick yourself up. Repent. Start again. Okay? This is how you live a life of obedience. You, you come into a relationship with the Lord. You choose obedience. You repent. You ask Holy Spirit to help you. You practice his presence. You practice the acts of obedience. You invite people and you get extra help and you don't give up. You just keep going. It's not going to be easy because it's our flesh and our flesh doesn't want to have Jesus as Lord. Jesus as Saviour? Fine. That's fine. That's a once-off But Jesus is Lord means we're we're not Lord anymore. And our flesh doesn't like that. So it it will be hard, but it's worth it. So if we um, look at a couple of examples, let your light shine before others. A while ago, Amy asked me to purchase some paint for Lilia Haven and some canvases. So I went into Spotlight and purchased that. I went to the counter. There was like 10 or so canvases in the tray, big ones, all this paint. So I put all the paint onto the desk. They scanned it all. I gave them one canvas. And I said, there's, there's 10. Scanned it all, paid for it, walked out. Then I loaded everything into the car and I realized there was one paint bottle underneath the canvases. So annoying. Pretty sure that didn't get scanned. So immediately, your flesh starts talking to you. Oh, but it is for a charity. Like it's for Lilia Haven, like everyone should be giving to Lilia Haven, even Spotlight. <laughs> right? And I didn't do that on purpose. That's the shop, the fault of the shop. Like I. Went and scanned everything that I thought was in my... These are the immediate thoughts that that come. And, And nobody saw it anyway. Who's to know? Well, I'm to know. My heart is to know. My conscience is to know. God is to know. And I want to be soft towards the Lord. So I was frustrated. I knew that the line would be long inside. But I packed everything into the car. I took that one annoying bottle of green paint and my receipt back inside, stood in line, got to the front, was a completely different checkout person, so they didn't even know <laughs> that I'd been through. And I said, hi, um, here's my receipt. Uh, when I was packing everything into the car, I just don't think that this, piece, this bottle of paint was scanned. Can you please scan it and charge me? And she was like, oh, that's weird. And she checked the receipt and she's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's not on there. And then she scanned it, she charged me and she said, thank you so much for coming inside and scanning that. Most people wouldn't have done that. This is what the command of Jesus to let your light shine before others so they can see your good works, so that they can glorify your Father in heaven. This is how kingdom rolls out into a community. And it starts with self-obedience out of your relationship with the Lord. Yes? Okay. Love your enemies. When I was in school, I had a friend that I really loved. And she decided she is not going to be a Christian anymore. So she said to me, I don't want to be your friend anymore because you're a Christian and I'm not. I want to smoke and drink and I don't want to be your friend anymore. So I said, well, I... I still love you, we don't have to have the same beliefs. I love you, I care about you, pray for you, I'll always, always care about you, i always pray for you, I'd love, I want to still be friends. Well, she said, no. Now, we're in boarding school, which means you're in 24-7 community together. She decided that she would treat me from that moment forward as if I was an enemy of hers. So she didn't give me any contact, she didn't say hi if we passed each other on the footpath, She'd make sure her shoulder could, like, barge against mine. She would sometimes tell me to F off. She would push me when we're playing sport. Like, she went out of her way to really push forward the point that she does not want to be friends anymore, and therefore it should look like this. And I had said to her, I want to still be a friend. I will always love you, always pray for you. And so now I'm like, oh... (laughs) How does this look now, Lord? What do you want from me? and ask Holy Spirit to help me? What do you want me to do because she 's treating me as if she 's my enemy and I felt that the Lord wanted me to act in the opposite spirit, so I'd greet her, eye contact, smile, greet her, um, help her if she fell over different things like that went on for. Actually, months, and it was quite brutal for my heart. But so good for my relationship with the Lord. So good because I just—I chose to obey the Lord in this, and I'm not going to treat her like an enemy. I'm not going to treat her out of the offense. I'm going to love this girl. And it got so hard, and I said to the Lord one night, I said, I can't can't keep doing this. There's no fruit, and it's it's brutal It's hard on my heart. I'm going to open my Bible. If there's nothing there to encourage me to continue, then I'm going to stop. And I opened my Bible, and it was dark. I couldn't read anything. Now, if you've been in boarding school, you do not turn that light on. If you turn that light on, you're going to detention... I was like, well, that's really weird that I even thought to open my Bible in the dark. That's a bit odd. But I'd opened it. I had heaps of bookmarks in my Bible, and I opened it to one, and I knew by the feel of it what bookmark it was, and I knew the title. It was a poem. And the title was Don't Quit. Wow, what an encouragement from the Lord. So I didn't quit, and I kept loving on my friend, loving on my friend, and I still remember a couple of weeks later climbing some stairs, she was coming down the other side, and I said, hey, and she said, hey, first time in months. And I was like, just want to do a cartwheel all the way up the rest of the stairs, but, you know, just like, give her a dignity, don't show her that I've noticed that this is a huge, huge thing that's changed. And our friendship got restored through time when i left that school she gave me a big hug and she said thank you for everything this is how to obey the commands of the lord and not the commands of your own heart because your heart gets sore from things it's it, you get embarrassed you get offended you get hurt and you want to self protect but if there's an a command of jesus that says you love your enemies you Don't treat someone who's offended you with the offence back. You've got to learn to walk in that. Is that all right? Okay. Now, how do you train someone to obey? So, number one, you have to do the obedience journey yourself first. Okay? Or at least be committed to that. Because it's a lifelong journey. Commit to being obedient. Some, so, um, when I've taught something, no, how do I say this? Sometimes I've learnt the most when I've had to teach it. So I, you can go to university and study to be something, that's great, it all goes here. But when you're on the ground and you're acting it out and you're teaching it, it you, you get it to a whole new level. And so, when you're training someone else about how to be obedient in the commands of the Lord, you it means a lot more for you as well. You start to feel a lot bigger sense of responsibility. You feel like, man, God, I really need to, I just want to tuck into you, I, you, you a sense of, I don't want to damage someone's eternal walk. Like... It's a huge sense of responsibility. Um, And therefore, the sense of, I need to be clean as well. I want to walk in cleanliness. So you go on the obedience journey yourself. Repent of the things you're struggling with. Get help where you need to. Number two, seek being taught yourself. You're going to be discipling people and training people, but you also need that. And you also need to learn how to invite that in because sometimes that's hard for us. You can feel pride or shame or embarrassment to ask someone to disciple you or to train you or invite their feedback. Hey, can you give me feedback on this? Or hey, I'm struggling in this area. Can you train me how to get better? Do that journey, boot pride out the door. All right, if you're in that space, then training someone is um, a little bit, not necessarily easier, but you're in the right space for it, okay? So number three, if you're training someone, establish relationship with them. This is what Jesus did with his disciples, yeah? It's um, people are not projects. So, if someone comes to the Lord, they're a new Christian, you tuck them in. If you're treating them like, oh, that's my project, that's my project, that's my project, I need to train them. Something's missing here. They're not God's projects, they're His sons and daughters. Okay, so learn to see them, ask God, help me see that person as a whole living being. Give me love for them. Help me see what their identity is, what what have you created. How do they reflect you? Because all of us reflect God. How do do they show his image to the world and who, who are they? Let me find the joy in them and seek that person unto who they are, not unto them being a project. So establish relationship. Then ask Holy Spirit for wisdom. You might see... 10,000 things that that person could do with some training in. Well, Jesus was like that with the disciples, but he didn't just go nailing them with the machine gun of commands. Um, He had Judas with him for three years, and Judas was stealing money from the treasury. Nowhere in the scripture does it say that Jesus confronted him about that. He may have, but it doesn't say that. There's times when you can see things in people's lives... And it's not necessarily the right time or it's not necessarily for you to point it out yet. So you need to ask Holy Spirit for wisdom. You can have insight, you can discern things, but if you don't have wisdom, you can just mash over someone's heart and it can be too overwhelming for them. One step at a time is usually how, um, number five, God knows the pathway for that person. Now, ideally that their whole life lives in a place of obedience to the commands of God, that's where the fullest fruit's going to come, okay? But there's usually a pathway of how they get there. So ask Holy Spirit for wisdom on where to start and then go through one step at a time. So I'm just going to give you an example from art teaching. Some of you know that I, once upon a time, was an art teacher. If you go to this next slide, there is a picture of an eye, okay? That's a photograph of an eye, a black and white photograph of an eye. When you're teaching someone to draw who doesn't know how to draw, you still have to start with a truth that they're going to try and get towards, okay? It's the same with training someone in the commands of Jesus. So there might be a command that says, let your light shine before others. That's the truth. That's the photograph of the eye. That's what the Bible says. The truth is the truth, okay? That's what you're aiming for. But when you teach that, if we go to the next slide, there's there's stages to get there. So with my friend... Uh, she's working on the top list. The bottom list is mine that I worked on. So what I'll do is I'll do, here, yeah, this is how you do hatching, and I'll do a little example, and then she did it on her side of the page. Oh, yeah, and I like, this is cross-hatching. Try this, do that, and then she does it on her side. So you're building up understanding, you're building up knowledge, you're saying, look, here in the Bible where it says this, or well, this is what happens when you put your heart when you sear your conscience, It works like this. So you're explaining things in small pieces and you're building up understanding and knowledge and experience in small ways. You're giving them something to copy because you're explaining your journey or your experience or your understanding or you find something together that you can point it out. Like for love your enemies. One thing that the Lord taught me was you go in the opposite spirit. So... That's like, this is how you do a cross-hatching. I'm like, this is how you work in the opposite spirit. If you've got someone at work who is, keeps calling you... Um, ..and you don't like it, but they're not shifting, what about if you do something in the opposite spirit? Buy them a coffee. Find out, oh, your kid's sick. Here's a toy for your kid. Do something that's completely opposite spirit to what that person is giving you. Don't retaliate in the same spirit. So it's like, okay, this is how you crosshatch or this is how you do directional shading like this. Oh, okay, yep, okay, I can try that. Is this making sense? Okay, next slide. So you've got your truth, which is the photograph of the eye, and then you've got... Your own example. So my example is at the bottom, the blue one. I'm halfway through drawing that. My friend is copying my example and has the truth reference. Okay? So it's like Paul. Paul the Apostle said, follow me as I follow Christ. This is why our own lives need to be given into obedience as well. Follow me as I follow Christ. And then you can see, oh, you missed something there, or I can see that. Your shading on the iris is a bit funny try and do it like this so if we look on the next slide you can see on my drawing which is the blue one we've also done a few squiggles on my piece of paper to show how not to how not to shade the iris and you can maybe see the little dashes that's us practicing how do you do eyelashes like this try it like that try it here i did some my friend did some. We practiced lots of eyelashes. So we're talking it out. This is, this is the joy of accountability when you're walking with someone. You're able to talk things out. You say, um, it's really, really hard at work because there's actually five guys at work that are almost bullying me and I don't know how to bring my kingdom presence into that culture that feels so dominant. And you practice little or how about try this and do a bit more like that, and you're talking it out, you're brainstorming together, and then my friend then did it on her own eye. Next slide, you can see the final. This is someone who's never done drawing before in a significant way, okay? But you can learn to if you're taking it slowly, step by step. And it's the same with us in our journey of how... How do I bring kingdom culture into my workplace, into my family, into my home? It's lots of little things that we do. It's the little bits of shading here, it's the directional there. And you're adding all of that together to bring the outcome. If you've never been trained, it's sometimes hard to know, well, what do I... How do I train someone? I don't know the steps. I'm a natural artist. When I started teaching art, I naturally know how to draw like that. I didn't know how to teach people to draw like that. So I had to learn how to watch kids, what they're doing. I had to learn to break down my skill into how, what is it that I naturally know that I can teach someone. So when you're walking in obedience with the Lord, it's the same thing. What is helping me to be obedient? Oh, I've got a soft heart towards the Lord. How did I get that? Where did that come from? I've just always been like that. Yeah, but why? How? Where did that come from? Well, in my home growing up, my mum used to have worship music on all the time. The house was peaceful. I think that contributed to it. Does that help me still today? Yes. Is that a part of what helps my heart be soft? Yes. Is that a skill I can pass on to someone else? Yes, because it's part of my experience. Follow me as I follow the Lord. Is that helpful? Okay, how to teach. So we looked at establishing relationship, ask Holy Spirit for wisdom of what to point out, go one step at a time. But number six is really important. You have to value obedience. This is you as the trainer. You have to value obedience over belonging. If you are more interested in just being a mate, that's that's dangerous for your friend, to not have someone keeping them accountable. In um, James, right at the end of the book of James, uh, chapter 5, verse 19 and 20, there's not a slide for this, It says, James says, my brothers and sisters, if anyone among you, that's a believer, if anyone among you strays from the truth and falls into error and another one turns him back to God, let that other one know that the one one who has turned a sinner from the error of his way will save that soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So if you are in relationship with someone who's a believer, they've said yes to Christ, and you can see that they are willfully engaging in sin, or engaging in sin, and you decide, I would actually rather just be their mate and not find a way, not inquire, Holy Spirit, give me wisdom, how do I address this with my friend? Is it for me to address and be intentional with that? I'm just going to be... Mate, oh, it's none of our business if their marriage is falling apart, we'll just be the mate. Guys, come on, what are we doing if that's how we, if that's our Christian culture, we are shooting ourselves in the feet and we will not be able to march in battle. All of my close friendships, we can talk to one another about stuff we notice in each other's lives. doesn't mean it's easy. I've sat opposite a friend and been terrified of asking them a question that I know I need to ask to inquire how is things going in their house or what's going on in my friend's heart. It's hard to ask it because we're not practiced in asking it. We have to. In the Old Testament, Ezekiel, God said to Ezekiel, I want you to say this to the children of Israel. And if you do, and they disobey and they don't turn from their ways, their blood is on their own head. But if you do not tell them, their blood is on your head. And I don't think it's always like that. But there is a responsibility corporately where we hold our brothers accountable and we hold our sisters accountable and we ask the hard questions and we go after the tough stuff because we love our brothers and sisters. We want them to be free. We want them to be full and running the race that the Lord has created for them. And if we prefer to just belong, cool, I'm old mate. If that's your culture of your family or your country throw it out you need to learn i just had a gordon Ramsay line go into through my head i'm not sure if i should use it brad's like don't go there (laughs) Um, find what you need to give you the courage to uh, have do the hard conversations with your friends if you know that their marriage is not going well, go after that with them. Try to, at least. If there's damaging stuff, if if your friend is drinking and you know that his wife is in pain or his kids are missing out, go there. Have the conversation. Don't think it's none of my business. You're the friend. Yeah? We've got to love one another into... Um, obedience and repentance and growth. The world needs us. If we're just going to be, oh, we'll just be mates. Oh, Lord help. All right, number seven, commit to the journey. I have walked with someone who has completely trashed their life. It's really hard to walk with someone for years and then they commit adultery. And it's like, what, where was all that, all that time, like, all that talking about God, what's gone on there? You do not get to pull out of that relationship unless the Lord releases you from that relationship. Commit to the journey with them. I stuck it out with that friend. I was like, this is serious sin that's gone on here, but I'm committed to your restoration with yourself and your restoration with God and it was brutal. Uh, there's a lot of collateral damage that I got swept into as well. But it, this is the, the commitment to disciple, to train, to establish relationship with people. Is It's not about if they perform badly, you dump them. You stick it out with someone until the end unless the Lord releases you. My friend's now in a good place. It's a good testimony now, but it was hard to go through. How are we doing? Yeah. My heart today was to, um, the Lord asked us to go into all the nations to make disciples, to baptise them into the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to train them to be obedient. We need to be obedient first. First. And then we need to be active in pursuing that in one another so that we can grow into a strong and mature body. Yes? I'm wondering if you stand with me. I feel like it would be good to do a little bit of corporate repentance um, just, to, a clean, just to clean where there's areas in our life and ask Holy Spirit to bring this up for you. Areas in your life where you've not been obeying. And areas in your life where you've not been training others or teaching or, or speaking into people's lives when you can see something there. This is part of it, hey? Repenting. <laughs> we we'll start here. And then I want to encourage you this week to sift yourself. Um, If you don't know what the commands are of the Lord, read your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Um, Ten Commandments is a great start. But sift yourself, um, have some conversations with the Lord, enter into repentance with him, and then choose, decide which direction am I going to head in. It's an intentional decision. It's not, oh, if I feel like it. bread, will you lead us in this? Thank you. Let's pray.
1: Yeah, Father, for, for the places where this word is, is sinking in with that right amount of conviction from you, God. We're just thankful, Lord, that I'm thankful for conviction, Lord. It's like the blessing of being able to, even in our physical body, being able to feel pain means that we're aware when something's wrong. If we didn't feel pain, we would have injury without any awareness, and that would lead to to more injury, to infection, and ultimately to death. So, Father, I even just, I just pray for, for those of us who maybe we, we don't like conviction. We don't like that feeling. We don't like that awareness when something's wrong, when we're wrong. But, Father, I pray that you would just shift that perspective for us, that we would see it as a gift. We would see when you confront us and reveal things to us, it's a gift to us, Lord. Repentance is a gift conviction is a gift it allows us to see where we're out of alignment where things are broken and God your heart is always to restore it's always to redeem it's never to punish it's never to shame it's never to crush us it's never to put us down you only reveal so you can heal So we thank you that your heart is to heal us, Lord, that your desire is to heal us. But part of that process is, is revealing what's broken. And we thank you, Lord, that you are so merciful towards us. That, Jesus, you made it even very clear you've not come to to condemn the world, come to punish the world. You've come to bring salvation to the world. That's for us, Lord. That's for everyone that we might encounter. That your heart is to redeem, your heart is to save, your heart is to restore, your heart is to heal. But Father, even where maybe we've taken your grace for granted, Lord, we've misunderstood it that grace enables me to stay where I am no grace is what it empowers us to move out of where we are so we thank you for your grace we thank you Lord as well you don't stand at a distance and to say you must change but no you enter in you entered in Jesus when you came to earth and died on a cross and rose again You entered in, Lord, when you sent your spirit to come and dwell inside of us. You are so close and it's your power that brings the change. But you also don't override our will. So you invite us to have agreement with your desire to bring change. You invite us into agreement with your desire to bring healing and to bring restoration for ourselves and for others, Lord. you called your disciples to follow you it was invitation and the fact is every command that you give comes with an invitation to obey you Lord and we want to be a people that obey you because we want to be a people that love you and we want to be a people that get to experience the fullness and the abundance of life that you came to give us Lord And not just that we can experience that, but we can be conduits to release that to others. But Father, we just bring our own hearts before you, our own lives before you. And we choose to repent, Lord, where we haven't obeyed. Where we've chosen to walk in disobedience, Lord. Things that we know aren't right things that we know aren't good, things that we know are sinful, Lord. And we've chosen them over you because that is the choice that we make. And maybe, Father, our hearts have become distant, our consciences have become seared. And I know sometimes it's not even sometimes sin that causes us, sometimes it's pain. Sometimes it's trauma or betrayal that actually causes us to drift away. But Father, where our consciences have been seared, where our hearts have become hard, and we thank you, Lord, that you can come and soften our hearts and soften our conscience, Lord. That you would remove that burnt part, Lord. That you would remove that stony part, Lord by your grace. So we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and to soften our hearts, to come and restore life to our conscience, Lord, that we can hear your voice, that we can feel your conviction, Holy Spirit, that we might joyfully and willingly repent for our disobedience, God. So we choose you today, Jesus. And we choose even to commit with this thankful, Lord, for the, just the way that justice laid out practical ways, Lord. That's, that's what it looks like. Sometimes it can seem overwhelming. But you say, hey, come, just let's just take the first step together. So, Father, we repent for our disobedience and we choose you today, Lord. We choose to walk in obedience to you, Jesus, to walk in your ways, to follow your commands, God. And Father, we restore you to the place of lordship in our lives. Lord, that you would take the throne. We get off the throne, Lord. And we let you be on the throne of our lives. And Father, we choose to repent where we haven't carried your teachings, Lord. Even as, as Jess shared when it comes to, to friendship and relationship, Lord. Where we've chosen ourselves over others where we've chosen to allow people to live in lies when we know that you've been prompting us to speak truth. And Lord, there is a time and a place, there is a, a leading of the Holy Spirit. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to love people enough that we would speak truth because it is the truth that sets people free. It's your truth that sets people free. Not our opinion, not our ideas. Your truth, Lord. And you've clearly outlined it in the scriptures, God. But we thank you for this moment, Lord. That you would convict us. That you would lead us to repentance, Lord. That you would restore us into right relationship with you, God. And also, Holy Spirit, that you would empower us to walk differently. As we go into this afternoon, as we go into this week, Lord, that we would feel your prompting, Lord. Where where things have been dry, we just thank you for the refreshing and the washing of your word, of your presence, Holy Spirit. That we would be softened again to you. Softened to your touch. Softened to your voice. Softened even in our desire to respond to you in obedience, God. Lord, you don't call us to obey just because you want blind, deaf robots that just do whatever you want. Lord, you, it's, it's our way of loving, Lord. And it's the most loving thing that you can do for us is to call us to walk in your ways. I know with my children, Lord, there are, there are ways that they don't want to walk in. But I call them to obey because I know what is best for them. And Lord, you know what is best for us. You're a good father. You know what is best for us, Lord. We do not know what is best for us. We might think we do. We might have all the ideas. We might feel like we got to figure it out. And yet, Lord, if it's not in alignment with your ways, it's not the best way for us. It's not the best way for others. It's not the best for our relationship with you. So, Lord, we humble ourselves before you. We humble ourselves before you. We acknowledge you as Lord. We acknowledge you as God, as our Father, as our Savior. And we worship you as who you are, Lord. So we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that... As the Apostle Paul said in Romans, there is now, therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So we thank you, Lord, we are not condemned by our sin. But we're restored to righteousness by your blood. By your wounds we are healed. And we thank you, Father, that the throne of grace is available to us. As the book of Hebrews says that we might come boldly before your throne of grace to receive grace and mercy in our time of need. And Lord, I know I need you. I need your mercy and grace. And tomorrow when I wake up, I'm going to need your mercy and grace. And on Tuesday, I'm going to need your mercy and grace. And on Wednesday, I'm going to need your mercy and grace, Lord. But we thank you that the promise of Scripture is that the the throne room is open for us, Lord. That we can come boldly into that place, Lord. Not groveling, not crawling, but boldly come because we know we need you. And you know we need you, Lord. So you've made a way that we can stay in connection, You've made a way that we can stay in the flow of your grace and in the flow of your mercy and in the flow of your power. So we thank you, Lord, that you are so good that it's not just a one-time thing with you. It's a daily every moment of the day you are present. You're willing to help. You're desiring to help. You're available to help. You are our ever-present help in time of need. Lord, I pray that we would stay needy we would stay in needy, Lord. We love you and we bless you, Father. Amen. Amen. I would love to just, the altar is open if you're wanting more prayer. If you're wanting to come even, you might feel like I just need to repent of some things. I need to get my heart right with God. Whatever business you need to do, whatever prayer you need, we'd love, our team would love to pray for you and bless you. Uh, And if not, you're welcome to please stick around, have some morning tea, lots of beautiful food out there. There's lots of beautiful people for you to connect with and meet. Um, We do have these little connect cards or there's QR codes you can scan. Just a way we just want to connect with you if you're new or visiting. Um, But We love you. We bless you. And uh, don't forget to pay for camp and do all those other things that we need to do. So, Love you guys. Bless you.